And this morning, my task is I want to convince you that the world still needs preachers of the Bible. That this world still needs biblical preachers. And I know that this really isn't a very fashionable idea. Uh, There's not a big buzz about this idea out there, but I want to convince you that this is the case. Um, When people say uh, that somebody is preaching at someone, is that seen as a positive or a negative thing? Pretty negative, isn't it? Uh, Here's a definition from the Chambers uh, Dictionary about preaching. It says this, to give advice in a tedious (laughs) or obtrusive manner. Well, here I am. Uh, Christopher Ashe, in his book on preaching, quotes Anthony Trollope, who in, uh, I think, 1850s uh, said this about uh, preaching. There is perhaps no greater hardship but present inflicted on mankind in civilized and free countries than the necessity of listening to sermons. The preaching of clergymen is the bore of the age. And he said more than that. So I know... As we come to this topic, I've got, a, I've got a high hill to climb to convince you that the 21st century still needs biblical preaching, needs biblical preachers. And I want to show you that from God's Word. So please open up the Bibles to uh, page 1197. 1197. Uh, looking at... Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you've brought your own Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 3, page 1197. The writer is Paul, the missionary, the apostle, the church planter, and he's writing to his young protege, Timothy. Uh, Paul This is the last recorded letter that we have that Paul wrote. And Paul is really looking that his life will soon be over. He's he's seeing that actually it won't be long before he's going to die, probably being martyred for his faith. And so this is a letter that's full of urgency to Timothy in the light of the fact that Paul won't be around anymore. And this is what he has to say to Timothy. We'll begin at verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. And in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the words. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, 
and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. This is God's word. Let's keep it open and let's just pray and ask God's help. Father, we have just read your word and we come knowing that we don't speak these words in a vacuum. You are present here with us. We have just read how our whole lives are lived in your presence. And so we ask that you would now speak into each one of our lives. Reveal more of yourself to us. Give us a confidence in your word and a boldness that we may proclaim it. In Christ's precious name, amen. Well, I want to give you three reasons why we need biblical preachers in the 21st century. Uh, Three reasons that Paul uh, commits Timothy to this task of preaching the word. You saw that, that was the main charge, didn't you? Preach the word. Three reasons why he should preach the word. Reason number one, because it is God-breathed. Verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed. This is what we've been reflecting on over the last two weeks, that God has spoken and it has been written, that that what we have in the Bible is God speaking. We have a God who speaks. He spoke uh, and creation came into being. This is what we discover from the very first chapter of the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God. Uh, the Big Bang Theory states that uh, everything uh, in the universe came from one point in space and time and it exploded out into this universe. And you need to have great faith as an atheist to believe that all of this stuff came from absolutely nothing. I find that an incredible leap of faith. I find it a very bizarre notion. The Bible tells us where it all sprang from. In the beginning, God. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God put the data in and it happened. God's words are powerful. They are creative. They give life. They create everything. We have a God who speaks. Uh, we, we read from the Old Testament this morning, from Exodus chapter 20, how the Israelites at Sinai heard God speaking to them these uh, ten words. And God commands that these words should be written down by uh, Moses. Uh, and, and, and Moses in later life read these very words to them. 40 years later after Sinai, just as before they head into the land, he stands up before them. And in the book of Deuteronomy, do you, know what, do you know what happens in Deuteronomy? You have three sermons. That's the book of Deuteronomy. The only event is that Moses dies, right? After the sermons. 
Uh, the, the, the sermons didn't kill him, but, uh, that, but that's what Deuteronomy is about. Three sermons. He stands up and he reads those very same words that God has spoken that was written. He read them to the people again and then he preached on them. God spoke and it was written down that we may preach it. Uh, God spoke and creation happened. God has spoken in history and supremely he has revealed himself through Jesus Christ. He speaks through creation. He speaks through Christ. And so John's gospel chapter 1 tells us that the word who was with God, the word that was God, became flesh and dwelt among us. And the, and the disciple John says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, the glory of the one who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the claim of the Bible. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament is that it is writing down the revelation of God, supremely seen in Jesus Christ. And so Paul, writing to Timothy, tells him that he must preach this word. If, if God has spoken, and it has been written. The logic is clear, isn't it? This is something that's worth declaring. This is something that's worth saying because of the glory and the greatness and the grandeur of the person who is speaking. It is God. Uh, a silly example, but uh, back in, uh, in, in January, I, I received a, a letter from Buckingham Palace. And I have to say, I, it, it arrived and there was a little frisson of excitement. You know, I get letters from the nice people at Scottish Power asking for money. I, I get lots of letters, but I got a letter from Buckingham Palace, and, and it, was, it was so terrific. And I, and I opened it up, and, and there it is. It's got a stamp. It's got Buckingham Palace at the top there. Look at that. This is real. This is genuine. I didn't make this up. And, and it says here, Dear Mr. Reese, the Queen has asked me to thank you. The Queen? The Queen? has asked me to thank you for your recent letter telling her of your enjoyment of her Christmas message. Her Majesty greatly appreciated your kindness in writing as you did and sends you her very best wishes for the new year. Yours sincerely, Sonia. <laughs> Sonia. She's a senior correspondent. She's not a junior one, though. It's Sonia, who's the senior correspondent. Of her majesty. So, you know, my excitement of receiving that from the Queen was somewhat dimmed by the fact that she probably never saw it. And she, you know, she's probably not even aware that Sonia wrote it. We have here the King of Kings who created you, who sustains your life, who gives you every good thing that you enjoy in this life, and he has spoken to us. Uh, there should be far greater excitement that we get to open this book and see what our God has to say to us. And that has to be one of the most significant reasons why anyone would want to preach. There's something worth talking about here. There's something that's worth proclaiming. One of the books I read uh, in my uh, summer break was a book by um, a guy called uh, Philip Collins. And he was uh, the former speechwriter for Tony Blair when he was prime minister. And it's a book called The Art of uh, Speeches and Presentations. And uh, against all the talk that uh, preaching is outmoded uh, uh, and sort of an obsolete way of talking, he, uh, he writes in that book uh, 
that speeches still matter. Against all the talk of the death of speeches, uh, our culture still thrives on an authoritative person standing up and declaring things. And we will listen to someone who's got something to say. And Philip, uh, sadly, he laments in his book that the problem today about writing speeches is that we've ran out of grand subjects to talk about. That's why I know he's not a Christian. Because this is the grandest subject. God has spoken. It has been written so that generations after these events that could not be repeated could know this living God. That's why Timothy is called to preach. Preach this God-breathed word. Do you notice it's not a command just to preach. It's not that Christians are excited about standing up and speaking. Honestly, I don't get excited about standing up and speaking. There are many weeks I'd rather take a beating than get up here. No, it's not because we love preaching. It's that we are to preach this word. Uh, Timothy is not to preach his opinions. He is not to preach himself. He is to preach God's breathed words. And there's another reason why um, he should preach this God-breathed word. It is because this God-breathed word is life-changing. It's obvious, isn't it? The God who speaks and universe just springs into being. The God who speaks from Sinai and forms a, a covenant people, a, a nation. When this God speaks, it is life transforming. And that is what's stressed there in verse 16. Have a look back at it. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. The reason that we, as evangelical Christians, get excited about preaching the Bible is not so much just because we're excited about preaching the Bible. It is because through the preaching of the Bible, we really come to know the God who is there. And this God is changing and transforming people's lives. When we take up this word and we preach it, it, it teaches us. It teaches us about things that we would not know apart from this book. It teaches us about salvation. Uh, did you see that back in the earlier verse? We considered it last week. How from infancy, Timothy was taught the scriptures that make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. How else would you know about the way of salvation and how to get it? It's only through the Bible. It makes you wise for salvation. And this teaching, we need to be taught because we, we need to be taught about what is right, what is wrong, what is true, what is wholesome, what is godly, what is good. And our maker wants us to know those things. He knows. He's made it all. He's telling us. He's teaching us. I, I love Colin Buchanan. And uh, he's an uh, Aussie... Um, children's singer-songwriter, and if you've got young kids, Colin drives you mad because he listens to these tapes over and over again. But I love what Colin Buchanan says about this verse. He says, uh, the Bible is great because it, it tells you what is the right track. It teaches you what is the right track. And what's the next thing that it does? Well, it, 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 um, it rebukes. You see, the Bible tells us when we've gone off track. Here's the truth. Here's what's right. Here's what's wholesome. Here's what's godly. Yeah, here's the reality of who God is. And, and it rebukes us when we go off track. 
when we begin to pursue that which is not godly, which is not good, what is not right, what is not true, what is not the truth about God, it rebukes us. But more than that, it, it, it corrects us. It tells us how we can get back on track. This is the great news. Uh, this book tells us about a God of grace, a God who has come to this world uh, that was good originally, but we've messed up because of our rebellion and sin, and he's redeeming this world. He's making all things new. And out of his grace and his goodness, he's correcting us and he's putting us back on track. More than that, the Bible is useful for training in righteousness, in right living with God and in right living with other people. This is what the Bible does. Is it trains us in righteousness. It tells us how to stay on track. And, and this is why Timothy must preach the word because this scripture is... God breathed and life transforming. It transforms lives and it transforms families and it transforms societies. And there is no other book that can do what this book can do because it is God breathed. I could argue this from history. We could consider uh, the 18th century where Britain was in a real mess. Historians have often wondered why, why is it that Britain did not descend into the same sort of bloody revolution that took place in France. And many have wondered whether in fact a significant factor that turned it around was through the preaching of John Wesley and George Whitfield, who went out of church buildings and with the Bible started preaching outside. In the days when there wasn't much TV or entertainment, thousands and thousands gathered to hear the Bible being preached and people's lives were transformed by the gospel and lasting change was happened to such a degree that not only individuals were changed, but society was changed, some historians would say. And that's why we didn't have the same revolution that France had. By the end of the 19th century, um, what's the stat here? I think by the end of the 19th century, a huge number of the um, charities that were uh, going on were run by Christians. Three quarters of them, charities like Bernardo's, the National Society of Protection of Cruelty to Children, Oxfam, Christian Aid, Leprosy Mission, Elizabeth Fry's uh, wiz- uh, Women's Prison Reforms, uh, John Howard, who was very involved in, in reforming the prisons, William Wilberforce, who uh, was the abolitionist influenced by the preaching of John Newton. All these people, all these things that transformed society would link themselves back to people who were influenced and came under the preaching of God's words. It is life transforming. If you were here on Thursday night, you would have heard Mez McConnell's story, uh, who's a pastor in Nidri. And uh, it, it is unbelievable to hear what a mess his life was in, how out of control this angry young man was, uh, his addiction to drugs, his violence, uh, the pointlessness and the emptiness of his life. And yet today, uh, he is happily married, raising kids. Uh, living in a community, holding out hope to other people going through addictions and problems. And all because he met Jesus through this book. It is life transforming. And so Timothy is told, preach the word. Second reason why he should preach uh, the word is because the king is coming. Look at uh, chapter 4 verse 1. 
in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Do you see the total seriousness that is behind the call to preach? Why must he preach the words? Well, because he's reminded that this God who has spoken, the God who has created all things, we live our lives in the presence of this God. And we live our lives in the presence of the King that this book points to, King Jesus, who is returning again to judge. That's what we're told here. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, we will be held to account for our lives. It's not just Prince Harry who's in the spotlight. All of our lives are in God's spotlight. And he sees it all. And we will be accountable for our lives. And so Timothy is given this important role. And preachers have had it ever since. That we should prepare the world for the coming king. Preachers should preach the word to prepare people for the reality that Jesus is coming back again and this time to judge the living and the dead. You know, the reason that he is called to preach is that although that is a terrible day of accountability and judgment, and when his kingdom comes, there will be a great day of separation. There will be those who will forever be in his eternal kingdom and those forever shut out and excluded from it. Although that is a terrible day, he sends out preachers who in advance can tell people, do you know what? This king came the first time to be our savior. This king came uh, in the first century, 2,000 years ago, to live a perfect life that we do not live in order to die in our place. That Jesus came for guilty rebel sinners and died, even though he was blameless, in their place so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be made right before God. And that's why we need preachers in the 21st century. People still need to hear this news. This glorious good news of God's grace to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, where else are you hearing that news? Uh, there's been a lot of criticism I've seen in the blogs of the way the BBC refuses to cover how Usain Bolt is a Christian. Uh, how he tweets about that all his fast running is because of God in his life. And how even before he runs, he sort of is, is acknowledging God before he starts running. The world doesn't want to hear about this. You're only going to hear it from Christians. You're only going to hear it from churches that preach the Bible. 
And it is our calling to preach this saving message of good news and prepare people for the returning king. It is one of the utterly sobering things for me as a preacher, as I pray and think about preaching, that I know that I might be standing before people and it might be their only time to hear this message of salvation. And this is the only point perhaps where they will decide forever the reality of whether they will spend eternity in God's presence or separated from Him in hell. It is an overwhelming thought. And you get the sense that Paul is just having to push Timothy to keep going at it. He charges him in the presence of God. These things really matter. And so you must preach the words. Third reason. Third reason we must preach the word is because people turn away from the truth. Have a look at uh, chapter 4, verse 4. Oh, verse 3. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Now, this is the, this is the, the reality of our human condition. There is a bias in each one of us that wants to turn away from the truth. There is within each one of us, in our human nature, a a desire to actually assert that what we think is right is right. We don't want an authoritative God to tell us how we should live. This is often the phrase, who are you to tell me how to live? This is the proud claim of human beings. No one has the right to tell me how to live. We do not want a God who speaks clearly and tells us the truth. Now, what we want is we want to listen to myths that tell us exactly what we want to hear. Isn't that what they're saying? Why do people uh, turn aside from the sound, healthy doctrine of the Bible, because, well, verse 3, they want to suit their own desires. Our sinful, rebellious nature wants to do things and engage in a life that is free from God and is just too inconvenient to hear from God. And so we actually uh, crowd out our ears with people who tell us exactly what we want to hear. It's good and healthy to have affairs in marriage. It's, it's great for your marriage, says a recent book that's just come out. You know, this will really spark up your marriage if you have a, an affair outside marriage. Oh, people will buy that. Um, twisted and perverse sexual behavior is just flying off the shelves as bestsellers. And you've got um, many charities that are involved with sexual abuse just... just saying how horrific it is that, that what is bizarre and abnormal could actually increase domestic violence in homes. And yet this is flying off the shelves. We want to hear things that suit our own uh, desires. 
We want to listen to the things that will agree with our own convictions. One of the strongest reasons, well, one of the, one of the reasons, not strongest, but one of the reasons why I believe this Bible is the Word of God, not written by men, is because it's, it runs so contrary to the way that I want to live. If this was man-made concocted uh, religion, uh, then you'd come up with all sorts of things. If I was a man making up a religion, I'd want to believe that if I go to heaven, I'll be in a garden with thousands of virgins that will attend me. I'd make up a story like that. But that's not what this book tells us. If I was making up my own religion, I'd say, well, you can be good enough and you can make your own way to God. Just do it the way you want. That's not what this book tells us. We've all fallen short. We've all got this sin, rebellious problem. And so Timothy is urged that it is vital that he must preach this God-breathed word. He must preach the truth. Even as people are flocking away from it, he must preach the words. It has been fascinating just to go across the book exhibition. And of course, the number one bestseller is singularly absent in that book festival. The religion spirituality section is just full of books that are, you know, what sells is people's, you know, former bishops talking about their doubts. You know, how, how much they don't believe. And goodness knows, I mean, once you've written about how you doubt most doctrines, I don't know what you get to write about after that. And, and, and of course, that's what's selling. Atheism is, is selling, even though I think it is quite irrational to believe atheism. People want to hear myths. They want to hear what is convenient to them, what suits their own desires. And so Timothy must preach the words. Keep calling out. The truth is, without preachers of the word, this book of Revelation would lie dusty. My guess is that in many homes in Edinburgh, there are Bibles, and the truth is that there's thick dust on them. They're not opened. Uh, it happened in Israel's history, didn't it? In Josiah's time, uh, they, they had got to the point where they completely forgotten the law of God. In fact, uh, as they were doing reconstruction work in the temple, they, they stumbled across it and started reading it again. And so God has called in every generation people to preach his word, to stand up to the world and say, listen to God. Listen to his word. Listen to the hope held out in the gospel. Lives can be transformed. What a tragedy when we reject the truth. We will live our lives surrounded by myths, empty myths. Myths that will not satisfy. Myths of materialism, uh, myths of atheism, uh, myths that will actually end up trashing people's lives. As we look at a world that is rejected by and large God's truth, as we look at British society today that is rejecting God's standards, what are we seeing? We're seeing a decaying society. We're seeing increasing breakup of family homes. We're seeing increases in abortion. We're seeing uh, people with huge drug addiction problems. And, uh, you know, the biggest drug dealer in Scotland, we're learning, is the Scottish government that is supplying methadone to people. Half the drug deaths happen because of methadone. We have no answers. <laughs> but God is speaking. And there are answers. There's hope. 
in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our lives can be put back together again. Our sins can be forgiven. Our past can be cleansed. We can be made new. We can be a people ready for this judge to return and not fear that because we know that it is a returning Savior and King who is going to welcome us into his eternal kingdom. For these reasons, the 21st century still needs preachers who will preach God's words. Preach the words. Can I speak to preachers today? There are peculiar temptations and pressures upon preachers and many reasons why you want to just go away and do something else. But you see, we must preach this. We, it, Timothy is not told, you know, Timothy, if you feel like it, uh, when it's convenient, preach. No, he's told in season, out of season, when it's convenient, when it's inconvenient, when you feel like it, when you don't feel like it, preach the words. If you're not a Christian here today, can I say to you that right now that you might have a voice in your head saying, oh, this is rubbish, this is weird, I'm, I'm not coming back, I'm not listening to this. Do you see that's exactly what the Bible says you will do? And you'll be heading from the truth into myths. Heed this word. Come and listen to it being preached. Ask this God who has spoken to speak into your heart and your life. He can come and rescue you. He can come and change you. Turn to him. Can I say to you who are Christians, uh, who haven't been called to preach, would you do everything you can to support the preaching of the words? Support with your giving. Support with your praying. With your encouragement. Uh, people think that preachers have got big heads because they stand up in front of hundreds of people and everyone thinks they're fantastic. That's not the truth. Most of the time you get kicked in the head. Look at what Paul said. If you wanted to pray for your preacher, look at verse 5. These are good things to pray for preachers as Christians. But you, Paul says to Timothy, keep your head in all situations. Even as people wander away from the truth and abuse you for speaking the truth, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Would you pray that for your preachers here? Would you pray that the Lord would raise up more preachers of this word? Pray for the um, ministry apprenticeship scheme that we're trying to do here, that God may be pleased to use that to raise many preachers. Let's pray.